Hello everyone, you're listening to Game Rivals, a podcast where a Nintendo fan and a PlayStation fan talk about the latest games and happenings in the gaming community and industry. I'm one of your hosts, Maximilian X, and together with Sean Templar, we bring you this bi-weekly podcast about video games. Hey guys, Maximilian X here on the top of the episode um, with a special message from the team. We made a survey to gauge what people think of Game Rivals. Please fill this in as it will help us make the content that you would enjoy. The link for this is in the description for the episode, or you can find the link also on our Twitter, which is at game underscore rivals underscore. Thank you for your attention, and now back to the main episode. And welcome back to another episode of Game Rivals. I am your host, Maximilian X, and I'm sitting here with my fellow co-host and legendary guy, Sean Templar. How's it going, Sean? I'm good. Uh, thank you for asking. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. I uh, got a little bit more rest, so it's been uh, a busy couple of days, but now I got some uh, some some low time and... We can uh, do another podcast. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So um, let's just cut to it. This is going to be the news round. It's going to be a hefty one. And you know what? Let's just start with our favorite topic. And when I say favorite, I mean least favorite. Google Stadia. Yay! We need. It's, we really need a jingle for this because we kind of need to give it its own segment if we keep doing yes, this. Yes, it does because I think we're gonna be talking about it a couple of more times over the next months. It comes out in three days, so yeah, it comes out very soon. And oh boy, um, there's a lot of controversy going around now, like even more so than before. Um, let's start with actually the the more recent stuff after the last time we recorded the podcast, which is, I think, maybe the launch was, lineup. Uh, yeah, the launch lineup. Just 12 games. So for, what is it? The premiere or the Founders Edition, 130, 150 bucks you pay? Yeah, so, so, the, so the Founders slash Premiere Edition is basically just so that you can... Um, play the game now or play the games now in quotes um and it comes with the controller that wirelessly will get to it i think our audience um, by now connects. knows what's in it. It, it it yeah it it has the ultra cast it's chromecast ultra or whatever you call it and the controller and well so 12 games starting from the 19th um most of them are games that are already out, which makes sense because um, the Google Stadia development team only recently started actually working on games. And uh, the, the, the studio ahead, um, Jade Raymond was talking about like actual games specifically made for the service probably will be out, bless you, for years. Thank you. She said years. Yeah. Um, yeah. And the games that are on here, three of them, by the way, are the Tomb Raider games, like all three of them. Yeah, which are basically pretty old games. 
Yeah. You have Assassin's Creed Odyssey, which is a fine game, fine game. But then again, it's that's also the also... game that they used to test the service. Yeah, so it's kind of a recycled game. Yeah. Destiny 2, of course, like the complete version, um, comes with the Stadia Pro subscription. So if you know if you have the Founders Edition or the Premier Edition, you have Destiny 2. Whoopee. Um, it supports Guilt, Just Dance 2020. Okay. Kine, Mortal Kombat 11, Red Dead Redemption 2, also a good game. Samurai Showdown, which is recently new since it came out this summer. Um, Thumper, which is an old indie game. Um, I'm going to interrupt you right now because I am reading something right now that just blows my mind. Which is? Stadia will not work on Chromecast you already own right away. Only the uh, Ultra that comes with the Stadia Founders Edition. Other Chromecasts will be patched to work sometime after launch. Are you kidding uh, me? You you got ahead of me, man. You you buried the I'm lead. I'm sorry. I just I like, was about to get to that I point, just, man. I see this and I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. We, <laughs> I don't care about that list with launch games. I mean, this is a big deal, man. What if I already <laughs> own a Chromecast Ultra? And I well, you gotta be patient. What? That's the answer. You gotta be patient. Hey, man, I'm done with this stuff. I don't care about Stadia anymore. I mean, come on, man. Fuck. You haven't even, like, that. that is not even the worst it gets. Like, apart There's, from these I games, a, I have a list apart from this. Me, I have a list in front of me with a, a shitload of features that will not be available at launch, which they Thank did you. say and they were going to show That's up. the big deal with it. What that's the, the big deal hell is going so other on? Than, so other than the whole fact that you can't use a Chromecast Ultra that you already own because the update is not available yet, certain things, like, for example, remember how the Founders Edition comes with a three-month buddy pass? It's not working. It's not being sent out until weeks later. It says here, two weeks after launch. On top of that... You have certain features that don't work. So probably one of the biggest features that is important to them, you know, since they're Google and they own YouTube, the feature that allows YouTubers to play with their fans is also not available at launch. It comes out in so in 2020, sometime in 2020. Exactly. Even though they said it's one of the features that would be there. Yep. And, and goes feature... for the achievement system is also not there on launch. Well, it registers the achievements, but it does not pling. I want a pling. You know how satisfying a pling is? I, mean, I don't know, because I mostly play on my Switch. And well, you're missing out I, and on even the when I get achievement, And even when I get achievements on my PlayStation 4, I'm like, okay. They're called trophies. Trophies. And the, and the pling is really satisfying. I like, yeah. I like I mean, the pling. There are people that like the trophy slash achievement system, and there are some that don't. So, yeah. yeah. Just, this um, is just blowing my mind. What else? What what was what was the other thing that's on there? Because there's like another thing that's missing there. It says something oh, about right. family link. Yeah. So, um, essentially, the ability to play multiplayer is not there. Is not there. Yep. And the ability. So you know that they also had this thing where if you're if you're watching like a specific clip of a video game. And you want to jump right in there, that it jumps in and you can pick up where that footage left off. Yeah. Yeah, that's not there yet either. I don't remember what the I don't remember what that feature is called, but that's not there either. Basically, I'm paying a lot of money 
to get access to, a, as I said again, a huge server, beefed up server, so I can play games in max fidelity. I still have to buy the game. And on top of Except that, if you have the pro, if you have Stadia Pro, you only have one game. Which I don't is care about Destiny. I really couldn't care less. <laughs> I mean, come on, it's a free-to-play game, partially. Um, so I still have to buy a game. And yes, Red Dead Redemption Two is available on Stadia, which makes it kind of interesting. Did I not know that the PC version apparently of Red Dead Redemption is suffering from a lot of performance issues? So mm-hmm. I, I genuinely, genuinely wonder how it's going to run on Stadia, but. All I'm getting right now is red flags. It's not even convinced. It's not even out yet. Yeah, it's not even out yet. And there's so many red flags. I'm like, there's no possible way or there's no no way in hell I want to try this because it's all no, 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 no. The only thing is, can I take your money? Yes. Do you have to pay a shitload of money to even play the service? Yes. Here's the thing that I don't get. If they wanted to do something like beta test, then beta test you know yeah, man don't take people's money for it yeah don't do weird stuff don't overpromise. you know because when you overpromise, this, this is, what, is what happens when you can't deliver i genuinely wonder how many people are actually gonna be and i hope google announces their sales figures for this but i'm genuinely curious to see how many people are actually going to use this i don't think I sent you the link for this, but they had a, a Reddit AMA yeah, like this past week. And like some of the answers in there, even people that work for Google that ordered their own founders edition with their own money aren't getting it on the 19th. How is that possible? You work at the company and... But for some reason, because of course they want to promote it, Reviewers are getting review copies of this thing. For free. For free. Or sponsored, of course. Yeah, so but it's... like, I mean, your own employees are probably your biggest promoters. Come on, man. You would think so, wouldn't you? Uh, as you would say, I assume so. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I guess it makes sense because everybody's going to look at most people look towards, and especially the audience that they're going after is probably going to look towards YouTubers testing it out. Yeah. And the one feature that would make sense for the YouTubers to test out is not even available at launch. I, uh, I just want to, I don't, at, at this point, at this point, either, I don't know why they did not just delay this. Like it yeah. would have been, yeah. Definitely. So easy to delay it. And yeah. either, again, as I said before, just go for like a closed beta, open beta, whatever kind of beta you need yeah. to test these stuff so that you can put it all out in one go. And bring it out instead in of like piecemealing a, it. Do it in February or March because generally we don't have a lot of game releases then. So that way you're coming out in a, in a pretty quiet period and you can get all the attention on it. People can try it out. There's a lot of games that are out there. Maybe if you're lucky, you can get the holiday exclusives or the holiday blockbuster titles on your service. And, you know, it's just it makes so much sense to do it that way instead of the way they're doing around. Now it feels like a really rushed launch. And because it is. Yeah. I mean, I was generally expect genuinely. I I really thought that when they launched this stuff is going to have like 50 games or something like that because they were 
constantly talking about all the different developers that are on board and the studios and the companies and uh, whatnot. And then you just see 12 games. When I saw that, I was completely shocked. and like, <laughs> oh, I'm so happy I didn't pre-order that premiere or whatever it's called edition. Oh, man. Seriously, man. We were this close, weren't we? Oh, my God. Oof. That was a that would have been a waste because a we probably wouldn't have gotten it on the nineteenth. We yeah. would have probably gotten it weeks after, yep. and even then, the only game we can legitimately play would be Destiny Two. Yeah, because without I'm buying buy other games, yeah, I'm not gonna buy something. As I said earlier, I am willing to try Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven. Because that way I know like it's the max I can get out of it from a settings point of view, from a visual fidelity point of view. But now I generally wonder if the game is going to come out at launch or months after it's going to come out on Stadia. I don't think that it w- they, they would delay the launch of it on Stadia. What I'm more curious about is either A, it comes out as part of Stadia Pro, which means you don't have to buy it. Well, then or that. B, you have to buy it. You probably have to buy it. On top, of course, the ten bucks a month you're paying for Stadia Pro. Yep. And yeah. I think the 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 make or f- break moment for Stadia Pro is going to be the games they offer for free every month. I mean, you see it with PlayStation Plus, and I, I believe the Xbox uh, Games with Gold is the best example. They Xbox mm-hmm. Game with Gold gives you triple A games every month. Yeah. Whereas PlayStation Plus has its ups and downs. Some months it gets you the the greatest games that are out there, and some months it gives you these weird indie titles that personally I couldn't care less about. And then I'm just <laughs> not downloading anything that month. But for example, the last two months, this month we got Neo, the the Dark Souls kind of samurai game from uh, Kobe yeah. Tecmo, which is really good. Yeah, looking forward to that. One. Yeah, we got last month we got The Last of Us remastered. Mm-hmm. So there are some really, really good blockbuster titles in there, but it's sometimes it's hit and miss. And I think Microsoft does this really well. And I think Google should take an example out of that and give us blockbuster games in that Stadia Pro every month so it's at least worth the 10 bucks. Otherwise, people just going to cancel their subscription. Yeah, but for 10 bucks, I'd rather... And I know that I'm going to get flack for this. I'd rather just go on my PC open the Epic Game Launcher and see what games they have for free. Yeah, Because or, or they you, yeah. have a game for free every month and you don't have to pay them for it. Oh, that's even better. Or you can get uh, Xbox Game Pass for one buck a month and then uh, use it on the PC and play it. all the AAA first-party uh, games such as Outer Worlds or, I don't know, Forza Horizon or Astroneer. Halo, Astroneer, Gears of War. And some other stuff that we're going to be talking about later. Yeah. But here's the fun part. Apparently, Steam is also working on something like a Stadia. Yeah, I know. Service. But there's not a lot of detail about it, and Steam hasn't said anything about it officially. So it's mostly just speculation. It feels kind of brought on about data mining. Because I would have expected them to do this years years ago. ago. Yeah. Well, considering that um, Gabe Newell's probably rolling around in the pile of uh, money that they make every month on on uh, Steam sales, um, it probably never occurred to them. Much like it didn't, it doesn't occur to them to you know make games again. 
I'm not even gonna I'm not even gonna go further into that whole Steam does not make games again because that just makes me depressed. Yeah. But um yeah, them moving into that space makes all the sense in the world if what they're going to do is essentially the same thing that Stadia is gonna do. The only pro point on that is that uh, people have a big giant library of Steam games. Yep. So allowing them to play it anywhere on any device. I mean, nice. they have you have Steam Link and you kind of can do that, but having something way more, with a better higher fidelity and that does not rely on your own PC, yeah. for Steam would be flipping great. Because people the... already buy games off there and they have all those cool discounts. Yeah, they can go the NVIDIA route. NVIDIA does that with their... Uh... GeForce Now that you just log in with your Steam account and it can check your purchases and based on that it just allows you to play those games. I mean, give me that option. Give me mm-hmm. like rent a game server and use it to play your Steam library. I would love that. Yeah. Instead of rent a game server and buy the games. Oh wait, that's called Stadia. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean that would be awesome, especially if, uh, especially uh, since uh, EA Access is also uh, coming to Steam. Coming to Steam, so who knows? Who knows? Yeah, yeah. But speaking of the unexpected, well, at least unexpected to us, Microsoft have they had their uh, had their fan fest again, Microsoft XO yep. in London this week. And um, that kind of blew past me because something else way more important came out. Um, oh. <laughs> nah, just kidding, just kidding. Um, you just had so, to yeah, catch them all. They, uh, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. <laughs> but um, yeah, they had like a bunch of games that they announced there and from developers that they just recently acquired. Yeah. So let me see. Do you have the list in front of you as well? Yeah. So Rare announced a game called Everwild. Mm-hmm. It looks like this beautiful. I I just said like it, it gives me this beautiful, colorful Horizon Zero Dawn vibe. Instead of mechanical creatures, there are real creatures in there, kind of like fantasy dinosaur-y kind of creatures. I have yeah. no idea what the game is about. Uh, it just looks really nice. Did they? Um, I'm. I only saw the trailer too, so I don't like. I know as much as you do. Yeah. Um, oh, not much is known about the new friend. Yeah. No. So not a lot is known about it, but it looks really cool. Yeah. Um, it's kind of like a cross between, so Horizon Zero Dawn, and um, what was that Far Cry game that came out? The one Primal. Primal. Yeah. Yeah, kind of reminds me of that a little bit too, but that's so, um. But less violent. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you see them like stalking a prey, um, like a violent prey, and also communing with the nature kind of, sort of, while they're trying to pet this weird space deer that kind of looks like a Pokemon. (laughs) No, seriously, it literally looks like a Pokemon-like design. You mean the one Um, that opens its ears, kind of turns into horns? Yeah, it kind of looks like Xerneas. Like, if you've played Pokemon X and Y, you, you'll you know which one I'm talking about. I haven't played that game. But, um, ah, that's fine. Yeah, and um, uh, they announced... Uh, the, Outer Worlds, the Outer Worlds developers, Obsidian Games. Yeah. They uh they made Honey, I Shrunk the 
kids the video game. I mean, it's not called that, but if you look at the trailer and the setting of the game, it's called Grounded. It's literally just the player as like a little kid that has been shrunk down to um, insect size, as it were. And you're roaming around in some dude's backyard, exploring it like it's, yeah, like it's some kind of strange planet with giant ants coming after you and other kinds of bugs and everything is huge and scary. It can squish you or eat you or drown you. I'm not into that kind of game. <laughs> um, the gameplay is first person. It kind of reminds me of me- the Metric Prime series, to be to be honest, because it has that secluded, because you're the only human, of course, there. It has that kind of isolated feel. Kind of like Alien. Looks cool. Yeah. Um, Then you have uh, Ninja Theory's new game called uh, Bleeding Edge. Um, It kind of reminds me of another game's aesthetically. Aesthetically. I'm just like talking about the aesthetics now. Because I haven't seen that one's trailer yet. They showed it off at E3. Um, It looks like a, a multiplayer combat game. I didn't really thought. I, oh, I really thought like, hey, for the remember. people behind, yeah, they did uh, show it off at E3. Yeah, but it was such a strange game, and I thought, well, for the people that did uh, Heavenly Sword and uh, Hellblade: Senua Sacrifice, this is a strange game to make after that. Uh, but yeah, whatever. I mean, they said that it's a game they wanted to do for a really long time. Um, yeah, I don't. Don't know. forget they did that. Um... That Journey to the West inspired game, uh, what is it called? Enslaved. Enslaved, yeah. Which they also really did that as game, well. Yeah. So, and this yeah, game so reminds they're... me a lot of Overwatch, but like a really poor version. It kind of, yeah, it's a team-based shooter. Now I remember because I, now I remember what that one was like—a really weird, funkadelic team-based shooter, kind of like Overwatch. Yeah. I don't know. We'll see. Um, I... It's coming out March twenty-fourth, twenty twenty. Yeah, and there's gonna be a beta. So it has a date now. And uh, indeed, the closed beta is on February 14th on Valentine's Day. Well, maybe people okay, don't want to sure. celebrate Valentine's Day. Uh, they want to do some multiplayer shooting with their girlfriends or friends, boyfriends. Maybe. But Age of Empires, on the yes. other hand. Uh-huh. I'm sorry, but but I haven't played an Age of Empires game in so long. I am starving for a new one. I mean, I know that they've put out the definitive editions of 1 and 2 is available starting from today, but... Mm, oh, it, they showed I a gameplay trailer some... for 4, and it looked so incredible. Oh, man. That, that probably needs, like, a really beefy system to play on. I don't know. And mm. the cool part is, is because Age of Empires 4 is being made by Relic Entertainment, the people behind mm-hmm. Company of Heroes and uh, uh, the Warhammer uh, strategy games, Mm-hmm. And uh, apparently there's a new studio within Microsoft, or at least a studio Microsoft working together with, called mm-hmm. World's Edge, and they're dedicated to the future of the Age of Empires franchise. Yeah, so who that... knows? We might get extra stuff after this. I hope so, man. Because yeah. uh, you know what it is? We don't have a lot of strategy games anymore like this. Yeah. Even on PC, it's just either old strategy games that are on there or the strategy games on there are just bad what i've noticed is that there's not a lot of triple a strategy games out there anymore exactly but if exactly. you go on to something like steam for example you can find a bunch of strategy games but it's all from either indie developers 
or smaller studios or publishers you might not have heard of. Um, And some of them are really great, but generally with the strategy games we're used to, it was always that there was this huge marketing campaign around it and Mm -hmm. you you knew Mm -hmm. about it, such as uh, Company of Heroes or uh, Warhammer or uh, The Lord of the Rings made by EA, the Battle for Middle-Earth franchise or Red Alert or Command & Conquer. I still blame first-person shooters for those, by the way, for killing off like a lot of like lesser lesser in quotes genres i don't know i mean isn't it could be one of those for example a while we had uh if a first person shooter came out it was always a second world war shooter mm. and then we kind of after modern warfare call of duty for modern warfare we transitioned to either a modern warfare era or a future or setting. future but um isn't rts games kind of like that that it was just a specific uh, kind of genre or game and that just people transitioned away from it because yeah people were kind of done with that kind of game and now that if if like the something like is, this the comes thing is out, there wasn't there wasn't a lot of evo- there wasn't a lot of evolution being done in the genre yeah. for that one and i guess that's part of the reason why it died off i mean the last I mean, the last thing that you could say that... I mean, the one series that prevailed up until this day is still civiliz- the, civ- the Civilization series. Yeah, and uh, Anno of Anno made by uh, by Ubisoft. Yeah, I'm actually surprised that that st- is still a thing. Oh, and of course, the Total War series. Yeah, I got Anno together with my uh, my SSD that I bought for my new computer a while back. So mm. I had this deal that Ubisoft gave it to for free. I played it for an hour or three or something. And... It really reminded me of this old strategy game I used to play way back, and it felt so similar that I could quickly get into it, and it was really nice. And I honestly, think, when I think about it now, I don't know why I never went back to play it. But I, when I was playing it at the time, it was at the same time I was playing Total War Three Kingdoms. Wasn't it because your PC died? Kinda, but also because uh, I was playing uh, Total War Three Kingdoms, which, by the way, yeah. I haven't played for a while. Maybe because China has grown larger and doesn't need to. Uh, well, anyways, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, moving on. That, this uh, one, yeah. this one, this one, really nice. this one is interesting. Yeah, from the Life is Strange developers, uh, don't nod. I have comes a new game for Xbox exclusively called Tell Me Why, which has what they say is the first transgender protagonist. Ooh, okay, that's interesting. Yeah, so the main the the one of the main characters that you play as is part of a twin and he's a transgender person. And he's also portrayed the or I think the voice actor. Yeah, the voice actor for the character is also a chan, uh a transgender male. So Wow, okay, that's pretty uh Yeah, so uh, um groundbreaking I wouldn't is it groundbreaking or uh it's, is it uh it's new it's, it's new it's representation being met by you know a person from that community so yeah. it's getting a lot of praise for that so it's a, that, i think it's a matter of time before the, we kind of accept it and kind of get it which is good i mean we need these yeah. things to you know make progress in the world yeah i mean we're having it in movies why should we not have it in games yeah <laughs> I mean, movies are still kind of dropping the balls here and there. Like, I don't want to remind people of Ghost in the Shell, but you know, that's that's a thing. Like, but that's movie. whitewashing. That's something different, right? Yeah, but that's still like rep, like representation not being met. 
Yeah, okay. So, yeah. Yeah. And also whitewashing is also a form of not meeting representation. So. Yeah. Um, moving on, CFTs is getting new content, which one... I'm surprised that Sea of Thieves is still alive, but then again, I'm not an Xbox player, so I don't know how big the community is there. But if it's getting more content, then that means that it has at least a viable um, player base for them to keep supporting it, which is cool. Yeah. Because when it came out, I honestly didn't think it would survive. It's uh, in Game Pass, and I've seen it pop up a couple of times, but I've never actually had the the feeling that I wanted to try it out. So. Uh... Yeah, maybe you should just try it out. Yeah. When it was first announced, it really looked fun at E3, but when the reviews came it out, it looked interesting. Yeah, it looked like it looked like a rare game. I mean, it still looks like a rare game and the humor is there, but the, I don't know. I guess I have to play it to find out what the appeal is, I guess. Um, other than that, the Halo Chief Master the Halo Master Chief collection is getting a PC release yep. and it features Halo Reach now. Yep. Because that was not in there previously. It's coming out um, on December 3rd. Yep. For 40 bucks. And if you don't want the Master Chief Collection, you just want to play Halo Reach on your PC, it's 10 bucks. And it's also coming to Game Pass, I believe. Uh, yeah. Booyah! And then there are a bunch of other games coming to uh, Game Pass. Like They, they announced like 50 other games. Which is Rage of- 2. Of which, by the way, are a bunch of Final Fantasy games. To be specific, they're bringing Final Fantasy XII, The Zodiac Age, which is the HD remake of Final Fantasy XII, uh, Final Fantasy XIII, um, Final Fantasy VIII, and, oh, wait, the, the whole Final Fantasy XIII trilogy, which, you know, your mileage may vary on those games. But the fact that those games are coming and they're probably bringing out even more games eventually is, yeah, kind of crazy because a lot of this stuff has been locked to either PlayStation or the PC or Switch. So now it's finally coming to uh, to Xbox. So good on them. And it's coming in Game Pass. So you can just, like, there is, if you have Game Pass, you have literally no excuse to say that you don't have a game to play. Yeah. <laughs> like if you're bored, whether you have you own an Xbox or you own a PC, you have like zero excuse to say you don't have any good games to play because this Xbox Game Pass is probably the best thing that Microsoft has ever done bar none. Like bar none. Like even like I mean I don't own an Xbox. I mean the only Xbox I ever owned was an Xbox 360. And I'll tell you this right now: if games, uh, games for gold existed back in the 360 days, I'd probably be still buying Xbox systems. Wow! Yeah, because it's a good deal. I mean, I don't have to do it now because I own a PC and I can just get the the Game Pass for my PC and do that do it like that, like I did for uh, Astro here. Which is a great game. Which is a great game. Which is also coming to Switch and PS4. It's already on PS4. Oh, right. It's already out. Stag- <laughs> Dang it, staggered releases. Oh, well. Oh, well. They yeah, also so... did uh, uh, some updates around xCloud. So mm-hmm. they're bringing 50 more games to the xCloud service, including games such as uh, Devil May Cry or Madden, if you want. 
Um, they're also going to expand it in the upcoming year to other countries in Western Europe. Cool. So that's cool. going to be nice. And yeah. um, get this. I did not expect this. xCloud now also supports the DualShock 4 controller. So you're not tied to an Xbox One controller. Okay, but that... Okay, one, that's, that's really, really nice cool. Move. Yeah. That's really cool. And two, it makes sense for two reasons. One, if you have a smartphone, yeah, you can connect these controllers already by default. Yeah. So it, like the xCloud app or whatever they're going to do for like smart devices, not supporting either or would have been really weird. Mm-hmm. So it's good that it, that they're adding that feature. That's really good. Yeah. Um, dang, that Microsoft is doing everything right. I think and they, now uh, I'm wanna... starting to get more and more curious about the Scarlet and seeing how that's gonna be like. Yeah, they didn't show anything about that, but they did say that um, they're going to make sure that pricing for Scarlet is not going into say in the same area as what they did with the Xbox One. So they definitely learned from that. So yeah, it... but is it gonna go into the territory of the Xbox? Xbox One X. Well, the One X and the One were both four ninety nine. Mm-hmm. So I think that they kind of learned from it and that they're going to aim for something below four ninety nine. Four forty nine. Maybe four forty nine. I think that's a realistic price, or maybe three ninety nine. <laughs> I don't know. Um, I I don't think so, man. Not, I, I mean, yeah, I don't think like, it well. But... For, for, I'm not just talking about Scarlet. I'm also talking about the PlayStation Five in this regard. There is no way I can see either of those two systems coming out at three ninety nine without them um, taking the plunge and taking the dive on on uh, production costs. I think to be honest, I was thinking about this the other day, and by the time the new xbox and playstation come out the components inside will already be outdated because it's they're both based on zen 2 which is out right Mm -hmm. now they're both going to have ssds which sounds expensive but when you look up your average ssd pricing it's really really cheap these days well the pen well well, to be fair with the ssd part don't forget that Sony and I'm assuming Microsoft are both doing this weird thing that it's directly connected to the system. So it's, you know, for the quicker access. Yeah. So that probably means that they're putting something proprietary in there. Yeah, but and, if you look at they have oh, to buy it in bulk. I mean, they buy that in bulk, meaning they can cut down the price on SSDs that way. Um, and as for, for example, graphics technology, yes, the GPUs in it support hardware-based ray tracing. AMD at this moment does not have a video card out there that supports it. But by the time the new PlayStation and Xbox come out, they will have released a GPU containing that power. So like for now, because it's not out yet, it's bleeding edge. But by the time it comes out, it will be outdated, meaning that the price on those components will, one, have gone down, and two, because they buy it in such huge quantities they probably will get it at a good price, meaning they could maybe offer it at three ninety nine. I don't know. I mean, maybe kind of. I don't know. Like you know, at, at, okay. Let's say it does. Yeah. And they break even on it if they sell it for three ninety nine. Then the at least that's is, something. Sony has historically 
always lost money on the console. They've always they they've been open about this. They always said we sell our console at a loss because we don't make money from the hardware sale. We make money from the software sale. And if you look if you look at what the industry is going towards, the industry is slowly moving into a services based model in which they sell you either a service in which you have something like a PlayStation Plus or on top of that you have a PlayStation Now or you get Xbox Live Gold and you get um, Game Pass. So they sell you all these additional services or they sell you one game and then they build a live service around the game and then they either sell you the expansion pack or they do microtransactions. So the, the days of you paying 60 bucks for a game and then the company's getting only your initial 60 bucks, I think is over. So because we're transitioning towards a services model, they get more money on a regular base than a, a big amount of money in one go. So that might also make it easier for them to, to take the loss because they're like, hey, we might lose money when we sell you this console. But we make it back tenfold because we sell you PlayStation Plus and now and this and that and we sell you that subscription and we give you this and you buy this. And then if they do a math calculation, they probably think, hey, at the end of the day, we still come up on, out of on top. So we don't okay. lose, actually. That's that's the reason. At least that looks like plausible reasoning. True. That looks indeed like plausible reading, reasoning. I mean, only time will tell in this regard. Um, I actually missed something when uh, speaking about the PlayStation Five. Um, I just sent you the link through the through the through the Zen thing. Um, but basically, a patent showed up a while ago that was unearthed. <laughs> yeah, I saw uh, it. Yeah. That was that was unearthed uh, from I think the Brazilian patent uh, patent um, office uh, by a, by a Dutch gaming website, and they made mockups of it. And basically, what this is is People think, or at least they think, that um, the, these are going to be like proprietary SS, uh, SSD hard drives that you plop into the PlayStation 5 to expand the storage capacity. Because since, you know, the SSD is hotwired into the system, you can't, you can't remove it to upgrade it. And it's a special system for them to do it. So... Yeah, it's, I mean, it's not like they haven't done this before. I mean, look at PlayStation Vita. Look at um, look at that one because that one had very specific, like super tiny memory cards that you put in, yeah. which were not cheap, by the way, yeah. and never <laughs> got cheap even though the system went out of style. Yeah. So I never owned one, so a they're Vita? probably super expensive on the used market. Yeah. Oh, that's too bad. I still have a Vita. Yeah, so that's that that really is disappointing. But yeah, I mean if they do this, that's another way to recoup the money because it's a proprietary SSD that you have to buy if you want to upgrade the ra- the the, storage. the the storage space. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. So I if, think I mean uh... considering if that's truly the case. We don't know yet. It's a patent. Patents are made all the time and yeah. sometimes and most of the times nothing comes out of it. So yeah. Who knows? But these are the same guys that unearthed the patent on the uh, developer kit for the PlayStation 5. Okay. Oh, they have a good track record then. Yeah, so far. Yeah. Um, On another note, because otherwise we're going to do like a really long news segment for people. (laughs) Um, 
Anthem is in the last episode we mentioned that the live director or the live lead for Anthem yeah, the went away. Uh, there is yeah, an article. Second one, by the way. Yeah, the second one. Yeah, and so there's an article that surfaced on Kotaku, sp- is telling about that uh, internally at Bioware they are working really hard on Anthem 2.0, as they say, or Anthem Which Next. One, that just wow! I didn't did not expect that. that. Yeah, that's good that they're doing that. But I mean, it's yeah, it's better than good. It's great. It means that a they haven't given up on the game, which is. Yeah. Honestly, something that we were both dreading, because mm-hmm. if they gave up on Anthem, that means that something major might happen to Bioware. Yeah, and if they're going to overhaul Anthem and basically pull uh, No Man's Sky, yo, more power to them. Yeah, because if they can pull that off, they might actually be able to bring back not only maintain the player base that they have, but actually ping bring people back in like yep. no man's sky did yeah yeah they're so, they're looking at an overhaul of almost everything so well, gameplay to. systems progression loot systems they're they want to overhaul a lot um and they're still checking on how to do it so they either bring it out as an expansion kind of like what destiny did with the taken mm-hmm. king or they just bring it out as a big content update um but they have been working on it for a couple of months now and there's three studios inside of bioware that's working on it instead of one so that's that's great news um i kind of what does that mean for dragon age four um i don't know if it's in full production it's not three right three already came out yeah Yeah, i don't know if four is in pre-production or in production but um yeah they're really tight-lipped on that that's still happening but yeah i i Kind of hope they just do this when Anthem's one year anniversary comes around, which is, I believe, in February or March. So yeah, I kind of hope that they pretty do pretty soon. I would, I would say take your time. Yeah, yeah. they've apparently been working on it for months, but yeah, you never know. Still, take your time. Yeah. Which also, I'm kind of curious if they are going to hit because apparently work is still being done on Dragon Age 4 and a new Mass Effect game is in pre-production in their Edmonton office. So, yep. yeah. Yeah. We'll, uh, we'll have to wait and see, but it's it's hopeful news. I'm really happy to to see that it's happening. So, mm-hmm. And the last one is, uh, is an unexpected one, is that uh, Shuhei Yoshida, the head of uh, Worldwide Studios at Sony, is uh, stepping down. He's not leaving the company. He's mm-hmm. going to oversee a new division inside of Sony Computer Entertainment, which works with local communities slash local indie developers to help them create new IPs, which is a really great mm-hmm. initiative. Um, and his replacement is our duchy, Herman Hulst, who is who was whoop, whoop. the president of uh, Guerrilla Games, the guys behind Horizon Zero Dawn and Killzone. And he mm-hmm. effective immediately, he is overseeing the 14 worldwide studios of sony so that's great news this also of course including the company that he co-founded uh yeah definitely so you know no bias hey let the man be biased man i mean horizon zero dawn (laughs) is an awesome game you know i'm right i mean you played it i played it i know it's awesome yeah so hey man if we get horizon zero dawn 2 which we'll probably do get let the man be biased i don't mind yeah if it but, gets yeah, on good I mean, games. I'm I'm legit curious how that happened. Like, 
I mean, I've there are also rumors go there are also rumors going around that there has been this weird power struggle, mostly pertaining around the launch of the PlayStation Five and how that is being handled. And it's still kind of weird that this big shakeup is going on in uh, in, in 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 Sony's entertainment uh, division. Mm-hmm. And part part of me is like I'm grateful, like I'm sure that Herman will do the best job that he that he possibly can. But a lot of it also is kind of weird that it's happening at such a fast pace and in such a weird order. Um, I I get that. I read an article uh, the other day, and I'll share it with you, with uh, Jim Ryan, who is the head of uh, Sony Computer Entertainment right now. <laughs> And Did you know how he called him? He didn't call him a Dutch person. He called him European. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this guy um, is weird. He, yeah, the funny thing is the dude himself is European because he's from the UK. Oh, man. Apparently, um, like, he does this more often than not. Like, he ref- refers to people in a weird way. Yeah. I, I remember when he first uh, started showing up at uh, these press events at Sony, uh, at Gamescom, for example. He mm. would uh, host one of those uh, media uh, briefings, and when, when he would talk, he was always raise his hands in the in a really strange way when talking. So it really would distract his story. Then he would tell something <laughs> really cool, and he would just wave his hands in the in the most strangest ways. And like, dude, stop <laughs> moving your hands. Just I don't know, grab something and keep your hands down, man. It's really distracting. It's like a wrong use of body language, of body's language or signs or whatever. Anyways, um, he um, kind of gave more context around what's happening and why there's a lot of shakeup in Sony. And he mm. basically said that traditionally Sony has been a company that has approached uh, everything from a regional point of view. So they have mm. uh, Sony Computer Entertainment Europe and America and Japan. And each uh, region had its own approach, its own marketing campaign. Uh, it was a lot of individualized areas. So what they've mm-hmm. done now is they've kind of consolidated everything into one global Sony computer entertainment, and they make a lot more decisions directly and faster. So for example, normally the PlayStation gets developed by their hardware engineering team in Japan. And to mm-hmm. talk to those guys, there are a lot of teams that are inter- involved and what they've done now is they've clutter, taken away all the clutter and they created easier ways to get those teams talking. So instead of having multiple teams working on the PlayStation, they just have one team working on the PlayStation and that team is accessible by a lot of people so they can get a lot more faster and direct feedback instead of um, that the teams are doing stuff without them knowing it from each other, for example. And for example, with marketing campaigns, they have global strategies right now. They're working on global strategies. And I believe the campaign for Spider-Man was the first one that had a mm-hmm. global approach. So it was the same strategy in all regions, um, mm-hmm. which works better because then they don't have to spend a lot of money and they don't have to tailor it. And for certain games, they will still do the regional approach because certain games have more appeal in certain areas or in certain countries, such Makes as uh, a game for Japan, for example. But they have taken away all this hierarchy around all these divisions being separated. And they've kind of created a one Sony computer entertainment 
which allows them to make easier and quicker decisions and to play more into trends instead of it taking more time. So uh, to to get to do to be able to do that, it takes restructuring, and I think it's good to do it right now than in the middle of a console launch. Mm. It's an I mean, interesting read. It gives a lot more context and it makes sense when you read the article. Hmm. And of course, right. it's strange that a lot of high people are leaving at Sony. Um, that that, that, that is still strange. irks me the wrong yeah, way. That's but... still strange. Yeah. All but right. hey, I mean, it I... be their time. I mean, the, the people that are leaving have been with the company for more than 20 years. I mean, when Jack Trenton left, I was like, oh no. And then, then it made complete sense because the guy was at Sony for, what, 30 years? Same goes for mm-hmm. Andrew Howe. So, Maybe these people eventually say like, hey, my time is up. I have had four PlayStation launches. I kind of want to do something else. I mean, uh, Peter Moore is now the CEO of Liverpool, which is a soccer football club. And I would never have expected him to do that. And the guy said, well, I'm a big soccer fan and it's a dream job for me. So when they came knocking, I couldn't resist and said, I want to work at Liverpool. So yeah, it's funny because a friend of mine sent a clip the other day of uh of a video of them in the locker room and he said look closely who you see there and then i was watching i was like why am i watching this and suddenly i see peter moore and i'm like holy crap that's peter moore. it felt so strange seeing the guy and i'm like oh yeah you're the ceo of liverpool these days i completely forgot about that yeah yeah he's a complete sports nut so yeah, man. He, he, makes he's, i once read online that he's actually a uh, gym teacher a physical education teacher Honestly, I can see that. Yeah, yeah, and then if you look where the guy is now, I'm like, hey, you made some big steps in your life, man. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Holy crap. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. Well, okay, so... All for the news, I think. Yeah, that's uh, pretty much it. Um, so stick around, guys, and we'll be right back with what we've been playing. <laughs> Alrighty, welcome back to our second segment. What have you been playing? Maximilian, what have you been playing? Well, it's been uh it's been a busy week for me, so I haven't played a lot. Um some little things here and there. Mostly um Luigi's Mansion 3, which came out uh a while ago. And on Halloween actually, it came out on Halloween and Suffice to say, it is a very pretty game. I think I've already talked about it before. Because it came out around the time the last episode recorded. And yeah, it's still a very pretty game. It's really fun to play. The ghosts are weird. Like, Luigi himself is just a work of art. And it's just so much fun to walk around with that guy, uh, sucking up ghosts with the ghost vacuum. And scaring them and slamming them into one another or into furniture and seeing the furniture shatter. It's amazing. <laughs> um, so I've gotten a little bit further. I'm, I'm past the halfway point now. Um, but I'm at this ghost boss who has this boss battle that's just really annoying. So um, I'm, ta- I'm, I'm taking a little step back from that and re-examining that battle to find the best strategy. Um, but suffice to say, the flow of the game has been really good. Like just the feel of um, 
the feel of flashing a, a, a ghost with the strobe light and then sucking them up with the with the poltergust. Um, it feel like a lot of people have said it also before, and like I didn't realize it until they until I heard it on another podcast. And Luigi's Mansion is basically a fishing game because the way the mechanics work, you you um, essentially get your you, you essentially get a ghost on the line, and then you have to reel it in. <laughs> Or if you if you get multiple uh, if you get if you suck multiple ghosts up, you reel both of them in at the same time, and you have to hold on to them and basically um, push the analog stick in the opposite direction of the ghosts where they're going, exactly like in a fishing game. And then when you max out the the charge meter, you can hit A and slam them around, which. Is a really great metaphor for a fishing game. So <laughs> it's less ghost busting and more ghost fishing, but really challenging ghost fishing, by the way. So uh, yeah, I mean it's a really good game. It's a fun game, very smooth, very pretty, as I said before. So I recommend, as always, take a take at, at the very least take a look at it. Take a look at it on a live stream or something, because it is also fun to watch. Just for the animations alone. I'll um, probably borrow it when you finish it. <laughs> that's fine. That's fine. Um, other than that, I also picked up Smash Brothers Ultimate again because uh, another one of the DLC characters came out, Terry Bogard from the Fatal Fury series. And uh, I have to say, he is fun to play. But as some other people would say, he's broken, which is not true. He is not broken. It just needs a little bit of skill to get the most out of this character. I mean, you can still play him as a Smash Brothers character, but they actually incorporated his fighting move um, repertoire in there so you can control him as if you were playing Fatal Fury. So all the moves like quarter circle, stuff like that, or... Ha- uh, or half circles, pretzel motions, stuff like that. It's all in there, which also powers up your moves. And I gotta say, the presentation that uh, that Sakurai-san gave about this character was amazing. I mean, I think I sent you the link, but you haven't watched it. Like the thing is nearly an hour long, and half of it is just dedicated to talking about the origins of Terry Bogard talking about the origins of the Neo Geo and talking about the character's moveset in Smash, which is astounding. I mean, this guy, like, even, like, he said straight up in that um, presentation that he was going to use SNK terminology so the younger fans might not understand what he's talking about. Wow. <laughs> Like, that's basically him saying, back in my day, games were a lot more awesome, and this is why they were awesome. And to be fair, the presentation is very convincing, and if you grew up in the 90s, you don't have a problem with what he's saying, because you understand what he's saying. (laughs) So, yeah, I mean, he really dug back in there, man. He even showed off his Neo Geo X, which was this... um, 
a revival console, which was a handheld, kind of like a Switch, like literally kind of like a Switch because it came in this um, stand that's shaped like the original Neo Geo system, but there are like two USB USB ports in front of it. And when you flip it open, the, the portable is in there, but you can put it in and hook it up to the TV so you can play Neo Geo on your TV again. Wow. And if you want to take it on the go, you can just take it on the go like a Switch. And that thing came out in 2012. Okay. I mean, they don't make them anymore because they stopped making them. But yeah, they kind of, like, even Sakurai was like, they kind of beat Switch to the punch. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe the idea Uh, for Switch came from that. I I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. I think it's more likely than the logical evolution for for the Wii U. But uh yeah, that was I mean, he like totally went into it. And the crazy part of that thing was that so all these characters come with um a stage and a selection of songs. Mostly like at most you'll see about ten songs with each character. Except for Cloud, he only gets two because Square Enix. I don't know what Square Enix is up to, but whatever. Um, but with this character, they got 50 songs. Not just from Fatal Fury or the King of Fighter series, but also from other SNK franchises with like kick ass remixes. So that was, I've just been having fun playing with Terry Bogard blasting a remix of of Psycho Soldier's theme song and just having a good time. So, yeah, I honestly, I didn't think that I would ever change mains because my main characters are Ness and Roy, and I love those characters, and I would never trade them in for anything. But I might need to add Terry Bogard as a third, which is crazy for me. Especially since I don't even play competitively. I just play for fun. But uh, yeah, um, been playing some Smash as well. And then lastly, and this is because it's just recently, I've been playing the new Pokemon game. Yay! And, you know, there's been a lot of controversy about the, the Pokemon Sword and Shield. And to that I say... I don't care. But just, I don't care. I just want to play Pokemon. I want to catch Pokemon. I want to battle Pokemon. And I want to have fun doing it. And I'm having fun doing it. The game looks beautiful. Uh, The story flows, which is really nice because the last game, the story kind of trudged in the beginning. And you can skip a lot of the tutorial stuff if you're not familiar with it. I mean, if you're familiar with it. Like, you're ca- you catch Pokemon before the tutorial for catching Pokemon comes up, and the game just says, oh, I see you caught a Pokemon already. I guess I don't have to teach you about catching Pokemon, and you just move on. It's amazing. It's like, wow, you get me, Pokemon. You get me. And I got to say, a lot of the new Pokemon that they that from the Galar region, they are funky. Like, they look super funky, and they have funky names. But then again, that's why I play Pokemon, for the weird creatures that they create. Like, you're always looking forward to what kind of weird Pokemon are they going to make? And 
yeah, they don't disappoint. There are some really weird Pokemon in there. There are also some kind of disappointing designs in there, but I'm not going to talk about that because I don't want to spoil it for you. But suffice to say, yeah, it's pretty good. I mean, the flow is really quick. After an hour or so, I was in the wild area, and I got stuck in the wild area. Not because of any kind of game difficulties or anything. I was just so amazed by what the wild area basically is, because it's nothing more than a prototype Pokemon MMO. You can run around, you see the Pokemon around, you can either walk into them or walk into tall grass and get a random one and catch them. Or you can go into what's called a max raid battle, which they admitted that they got inspired by, um, what's it called again? Uh, they got inspired by uh, the, the the raid battles in Pokemon Go for that. and. I gotta say, that was pretty freaking cool. Um, it works really well. It's a four-player thing now. You can either play online or offline. If you're playing offline, you you get three other computer characters to play alongside you. Tried that. Not a great way to do max raid battles unless you really, really want a specific um, raid Pokemon. And it works literally the same way as in Pokemon uh, Go. So there are fixed spots and there are a fixed amount of Pokemon that appear in these raid dens. Um, and you can go in, you can meet up with other people, you can battle together in a max raid battle, which is really cool. Um, only one of you can do the whole Dynamaxing thing during that time, but... Um, it only lasts for three turns, and then you have to build it up again. But you only have ten turns before you get kicked out of the battle. Um, and I got my first Gigantamax Pokemon, which is the Gigantamax Butterfree, which is really cool. Um, the other cool thing about the Max Ray Battles is, of course, that you get items whenever you complete one of these battles. When you successfully defeat a Pokemon and catch them. And... The crazy thing is that you see the other players when you're online, you see them walking around in the wild area. You can't really talk to them. You can walk up to their avatar and press A and you'll get a response and you'll get an item from them. But it's not like you're di like directly talking to them face to face. Also, um, since it's an online thing, um, the character models phase into each other in the wild area. <laughs> so you might accidentally walk through. Um, yeah, you might accidentally walk through like another player. And that, that's just part of it because they're essentially ghosts um, in quotes. Like, and you know, like, again, it's like a, a proto MMO. And you can visit each other's campsites. So if another person has a campsite set up, and you see it in the wild area, you can just walk up to it and say, hey, hi, and like your Pokemon will interact with one another, and you can cook curry together for you and your Pokemon, which the curry cooking thing is really handy, because if you had a very tough battle, you can set up camp, cook some curry for your Pokemon to heal them from HP, and if you get the right recipe, it'll also cure either 
any status ailments or replenish their move points, which is super handy. Um, other than that, yeah, I, I don't know what to say anymore. Other than I'm at the, I beat the second gym, so I'm on my way to the third gym. Um, and yeah, that's about it. I mean, my focus is now on playing on Pokemon. I want to finish it as soon as possible for two reasons. I want to get to the end stuff because that's where the cool stuff happens. And two, I signed up for the online tournament and I actually want to give, um, uh, not professional, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, I want to give the competitive scene a try. Okay. For the first time in years, I've never done it before because to be competitive meant to essentially dedicate half your life to um, breeding the right Pokemon, which is insane. And with Sword and Shield, they have these new um, quality of life changes that have brought to like raising Pokemon and getting the perfect or close to perfect uh, um, stats for your Pokemon. So basically any Pokemon you capture is now a viable competitive Pokemon instead of having specific Pokemon filling those roles. That so, makes it accessible. Yeah. So I'm going to try it and see if if what they did actually works and makes it a hell of a lot more fun to be competitive. Huh. Yeah. So that's my uh, what you've been playing. What have you been playing, Sean Templar? You told me about something that was interesting, or, to say uh, the least. Intense for you. Um, a bit, maybe. So, I have been playing two games. One of them mm-hmm. is uh, Call of Duty Modern Warfare. And I won't go into the multiplayer, because I think I've spoken enough about that. Um, I, I, mean, I, I mean, I'm assuming nothing changed since the last time we talked about it and played it. Um, well, the mo- I mentioned that the multiplayer has more depth this time around. And the higher you rank, the more features or... Um, options become available to you so Mm -hmm. um, i was i was surprised by it in a nice way i didn't know they had a lot of uh depth in that way i only thought it was in like the weapon customization um but they they've added layers of keeping it interesting because i am i think 30 hours in right now into the multiplayer and i still fire up my playstation every night just to play a few rounds um generally i don't do that with multiplayer games besides with battlefield for example so they have all these things in there to keep it interesting. They've recently added a new map for the multiplayer. They keep switching the the, the playlist for the, the the mode. So they try to do keep it interesting for people. And they also throw a lot of patches out there just to fix things such as overpowered weapons, such as shotguns and stuff like that. Um, but mainly I've played and finished the single player, uh, which was a really fun single player. I always liked the Call of Duty single player, um, but this one... It almost felt like uh, it was inspired by a few Hollywood movies, or it almost felt like I was in a couple of the Hollywood movies that I watched, um, and they've really captured it well. What I love is that, um, so you have a CG kind of, or, or like, or maybe it's in-engine cutscenes, but they kind of look CG-like, but it it fits the style of the game. Uh, in mm-hmm. between the missions, which are really high quality, really nice, that uh, that tie the, the the levels and the stories together. Um, and when the game came, before the game came out, they said they really wanted to aim 
on the intense level. So the the no Russian mission for Modern Warfare Two, where you shoot everybody in the airport, they said mm-hmm. like that's kind of the bar we want to use as, or that's kind of the direction we want to go into with our game, with our with our levels and our missions. Um, and for some people, it's intense. When you start the single player, you get like a warning say, hey, some of the content might be graphically intense. Are you sure you want to proceed? Something like that. So, for example, in the early mission, in the early game, you have a mission which is called Piccadilly, which is set in London in Piccadilly, uh, mm-hmm. and you're a um, a uh, an agent for the government of the United Kingdom, uh, and you're tracking a terrorist cell. And then um, before you know it, you see a van in front of you and you're trying to sneak up on the van. And then suddenly the terrorists in the van spot you. They try to race through all the traffic. They suddenly detonate a bomb which was in the van. So they cause a suicide explosion in the middle of Piccadilly. It's super crowded. A lot of people die. And then all of a sudden, all sorts of from terrorists pop up from all sides they start shooting innocent people they jump on cars shoot into the cars kill people all the while while you're there seeing it happen which is kind of intense to see um and and at that moment the game kind of you realize hey okay i can do something about it Mm. you start taking them down and you start progressing through the missions yeah, you get to learn, know Captain Price, and he says, "Well, I want you on my team. Come follow me." And then you play as three characters in the whole single player. You play as uh, this this UK agent who is uh, called, uh, I believe, Kyle. Uh, he later turns out to be Gaz, which is a known character from the Call of the Universe. Um, mm-hmm. You play with Alex, which is a CIA agent who. Um, um, creates like a, an, a supports uh, a rebel faction in the Middle East, uh, which in turn help out the US government. Uh, so you, he's kind of like a liaison for them and then he fights with them. And then you play as Farah, who is the leader of this uh, rebel organization uh, who has a, her history with the Russians because uh, the game is partially set in a country called Uzbekistan, which is a fictional country. And it's kind of like... It feels like uh, uh, in real history, for example, the Russians invaded Afghanistan decades ago. It yeah. kind of feels like you're replaying that event because it's a similar kind of country. The Russians also invaded there. Uh, in the story, the Russians committed horrible crimes against these people. They gas the people. They kill the people. They separate men from the women and they kill the men and they send women and children off to working camps. So you all see that happen. Uh, so... There's like an emotional reason and connection that you kind of get with the character and you understand why Farah really hates uh, the Russians because, uh, let me take a sip of water there, because um, uh, you find out in, in while you play that you get captured by the Russians and you're in captivity for 20 years and they torture you every day. So there's there, you, you go through a lot of stuff in the game which really kind of shows you why the game is the way it is or why certain choices are made or why certain characters hate certain other characters or they give the, you really see the motivation for what they do. And that mm. really kind of makes it better instead of just a simple shooter game in which you are a U.S. soldier, these uh, people form a threat against national security or for the greater uh, American blah, blah, blah stuff. So that generally you're like a soldier on the front lines just killing everybody with no reason and here you kind of do see a lot of background and a lot of 
reasons why. Um, there is an, an, a mission, for example, which was really he heavy because you play as a baby Farah or like a younger Farah, and then she gets trapped under a collapsed building because of a Russian mix bombing a city. And then um, you're stuck, you're trying to wiggle out, and then you use the triggers, and then suddenly you pull your arm towards you, and then rubble falls away, and you see the dead body of your mother in front of you who got crushed in the rubble. Uh, and when you look really closely, you see a tear dropping from the eye of your mother, and she's looking you straight in the eyes, and she's sitting there dead in front of you, which can be pretty confronting because... It, uh, you you don't expect that to happen. You pull your your arm away, rubble falls, and suddenly it's kind of like a jump scare, and you see a dead body in front of you. And yeah, it's a game, but it's still pretty intense to see that. Yeah. Uh, and then, for example, you try to you get freed from the rubble. You go to your home. Um, a Russian soldier invades your home. You see your father struggling with that Russian soldier. Your father gets shot in front of you. And then there's this mission that in the house you're trying to uh, stay hidden from the Russian soldier, but at the same time you're trying to kill the Russian soldier as a little kid. Uh, and you have your brother who get who it was also small and gets knocked out. And eventually you just find a screwdriver or a knife, and you stab the Russian soldier. You run away. You grab the knife again. You stab him, and then eventually you just kill the Russian soldier as a little kid, which is again pretty intense because you generally don't do that in games um mm. yeah so i under i get the part that they said that no russian is kind of the bar we want to keep for all the missions we want to that's kind of our outline um so yeah it's pretty intense it's it's again it's a really cool single player there is a mission that uh you capture one of the, the enemies and then you go to the embassy and then you have to hold the embassy and then suddenly the embassy gets attacked by his followers. Um, it kind of feels like the Michael Bay movie, uh, what was it called? Something Something Benghazi, which was a movie that came out last year. Mm -hmm. um, and it, in, in that, they also kind of have to defend an embassy sort of place and they get attacked by, uh, uh, by local militia. Um, it, the movie's called 13 Hours, The Secret Soldiers of Benghazi. And it literally feels like they took scenes from that movie and they made a game out of it, um, which was pretty cool because you're surrounded by all these enemies. There's a waves of enemies that come at you. You're in the dark. You don't have night vision. Suddenly you, uh, you throw a flare into a mortar. It gets shot up in the air and then it lights up in a field in front of you. And suddenly all the enemies are there. They start shooting. You have drones at your avail uh, at your availability, so you can call in drone strikes. Um, it really felt like I was part of that movie, and I did like the movie at the time when I watched it. Mm -hmm. Um, so they uh, have also done the cinematic part around the single player. Um, again, it's just that people might find the single player a bit too intense. Mm. Yeah, I mean, just listening to it, man. Oof. I don't know sounds, if it's your sounds, kind sounds, of game. Sounds, sounds sounds pretty raw, man. Sounds yeah, pretty raw. It, it is. It is. I mean, um, there is a, a part where you're captain uh, captivity as Farah, and then you're getting tortured by this Russian general, and then there's uh, another woman that's also in captivity, and then you're getting waterboarded. So you have to move your head around and try to to breathe to make sure that you don't die because of the waterboarding. Whoa. And yeah, and then he's interrogating you, and then he says. Uh, you can either save her life 
or you can kill her if you and if you want to save her life just tell me who the leader of the resistance is or who the leader of the rebels is and then you get dialogue options and you can choose what you want to say and then eventually he says okay i'm going to kill her right now or you tell me who the leader of the rebellion is and then you can answer again and then he just shoots her in front of your uh, eyes uh, in the head and I'm like okay this is pretty heavy <laughs> i did not expect this to happen dang oh okay yeah, that's a bit intense. Uh, a yeah, even though intense, it's a game, it's still pretty intense. That's a lot of intense. Yeah, I know. Um, besides uh, Modern Warfare, I have started playing Link's Awakening. I'm not Yay. in that far, but uh, I'm really enjoying it. As you said, it really looks like this beautiful diorama uh, game. Uh, yeah. it's, it links really cute, and uh, it, it, it's fun. Uh, I still have to figure out how it works and uh, kind of well, what I need to go. I'm currently I'm like really in the beginning. I'm in the in the forest where you meet the the squirrel and if you talk to him or you try to go through the mist, he kind of oh, That's not a squirrel, that's a tanuki. Yeah, it looked like a squirrel to me. He he mixes you up and then he drops you somewhere else and yeah, I I'm I'm right there so I don't know kind of I kind of don't know what to do <laughs> so I'm just going to have to figure that out. Um yeah, I, I like it. Uh, as you said, it doesn't take a lot of time to finish. Um, nah. And I think I started playing the game at the wrong time because there's a lot of stuff either coming out or that has come out. Mm -hmm. um, so I made a start on that. Um, I will definitely continue that. But um, for the people that listened to our last episode, I did something really impulsive and I live pre-ordered <laughs> Pokemon uh, Shield and uh, it came in yesterday. Uh, so I've also been playing that. It's been, I think, the last Pokemon I played was Pokemon Red on the Game Boy, and I haven't touched the Pokemon game after that. That was 20 years ago. That's 20 years ago, so... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> well, you're... Uh, yeah, I mean, there's I mean, there's another guy who hasn't played, like, properly played a Pokemon game since 2003, so, you know, you're not yeah. alone. Yeah, um... Yeah, I'm one hour and 45 minutes in. I'm at the first big city, Morosuke. Yeah, you've gone past the wild area. Yeah, I've, I've gone past the wild area. Um, I like it so far. In the beginning, it was a little bit of a slow start for me, but I think that's normal because the game has to ease you into it. Mm -hmm. um, I, I try to catch every new Pokemon I see just because um, I haven't really learned all the the pokemon's his weaknesses and and area and strengths such as uh for example a fire pokemon is good against a blah 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 pokemon and an ice pokemon is good against a la 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 pokemon i don't, I don't really know all those differences just yet yeah, so that's they, why but, i'm trying to build like a but they start diverse... you off teaching you that from the get-go with the starter pokemon yeah so i have uh uh which one did you pick what's it called scobunny uh what was score bunny score bunny that one okay yeah uh, i have score uh, bunny okay which one did you have rookie man Rookie. i always go with the crass type yeah i uh yeah, I took man, the Grookey fire squad. yeah i uh I found not rookie squad rookie gang yeah i uh, <laughs> took the bunny it was uh the i thought he looked I... funny ah for... dang it i brought him upstairs so my copy of pokemon shield came with uh an actual plushie of the pokemon that I that's my starter, Grookey. Oh, that's cool. S super adorable. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. Ah, I kind of wish I had that too. Oh. Uh, uh, anyways, um, 
So, so yeah, all right, you, yeah, took, so, you took score bunny. Yeah, cool. and, well, uh, that's the fire type. I try to catch the, at least all the Pokemons that I don't have yet that I see for the first time because mm-hmm. I, I want to build a diverse roster of Pokemon. Um, mm-hmm. uh, and yeah, I I like the mechan- the RPG mechanic side of it. It just levels your characters, even of your Pokemon, even though you don't. Uh, for example, if you just catch a Pokemon, it gives you a, a XP so to level up. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was a feature that you could manually turn on and off in in later games. Yeah, but now it's like a permanent thing. That's nice. Yeah, I like that yeah. part. Um, I like the part that you can sneak in the grass so you don't get into those random encounters all the time because um, that's really annoying if that happens. Uh, so- yeah, but here's the thing: the random encounters you can also still avoid. Yeah, you can run away from it, but you know it's easier if I can just slowly sneak past it. Um, yeah, I am still getting used to it again because, yeah, it's been a while since I've played Pokemon. Um, I like... Did you you catch the the, the Fox Pokemon, uh, Naked? Yeah, I got that one, yeah. That one is so weird. Yeah, he looks like a little thief. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, the tail is, like, dirty because he uses it to brush away his tracks. Yeah, yeah. I like that part about the Pokemon. how sneaky of a creature can you be? Like, oh, I just stole something let me use my bushy tail to cover my tracks hey, dang man i would be afraid of smart like pokemon. if there was like if murder existed in the pokemon world he would be the first sus- that pokemon would be the first suspect i think like so. if there yeah, were no definitely. tracks but yeah. there's like a dead pokemon you like <laughs> naked did it yeah he did it with his bushy tail yep yep i like that part too <laughs> that uh, if you catch a new pokemon for example the pokedex kind of gives you like a, a brief story uh, yeah. some fun facts about the Pokemon, and it shows you like their wares. I don't really get how, for example, when you level your Pokemon, they learn new skills, and then you can replace old skills. For example, mm-hmm. um, I really don't know the the real differences. Like, for example, I try to compare it, and it then, for example, says uh, power, and I don't know for sure if power is how many times I can use it or the damage that it ah, does. No, that is the that is the the. Um... The damage percentile it is. So it's all in percentile. So okay. basically, if the power says it's 10, so then it's basically um, 10% of the max power that your Pokemon has. Okay. That it's, that's the damage that it does. Yeah, I didn't know that. Um, and then there's accuracy, and that's probably how how likely the attack is to succeed or something. Yeah, but that uh, directly affects their accuracy stats. So the Pokemons have their own stats, you know. Yeah. Attack, defend, accuracy, special attack, special defense, and speed. Yeah. yeah. Um. So based on that, on those attributes, that's how strong your Pokemon is. So. Um, the thing that's also important to look at is um, it'll show what category it is, but it's not a word. It's a sign. Mm-hmm. So it's either like this um, this spiky speech bubble, yeah, which means that it's a physical attack, yeah, or it's this ripple kind of thing, like multiple circles, yeah, and that is a special attack. Okay, that's good. So special attacks negate any physical attributes. Mm. So that's an important thing to take away from that. And physical attacks means that the Pokemon is directly attacking another Pokemon, like punching them. So that means that if um, if the Pokemon they're attacking has a special ability, like say static, if as soon as the Pokemon touches them, 
the Pokemon that touch them gets paralyzed. Okay. So that's like it has like layers. I mean, you don't need to learn all this stuff to enjoy the game. Yeah, because but... I enjoyed already, and it only exactly. gets me curious to learn more about it, so I can probably enjoy it more. Um, yeah. So that's why I, I like that it's not overwhelming. It eases yeah. you in, which I really like, uh, because with sometimes with these games, I'm always afraid it kind of overwhelms me. Uh, and in this case, it, it fortunately doesn't. Um, I am kind of in a tricky spot because I want to buy Death Stranding, but I don't want to pay the full 60 bucks for it. Oh, boy. Yeah, so I saw a deal at Game Mania. So if I trade in two games, I can buy it for 25 bucks. I was about to do that, and I thought, well, let me just wait for Black Friday. You never know what's going to happen there. Mm -hmm. uh, and today, I also got my copy in of Jedi Fallen Order, Star Wars. Mm -hmm. So I'm literally... I have so many games right now that I that I want <laughs> to play and that I need to play that I'm kind of overwhelmed with what I what I what I'm gonna play. Yeah. So I don't know. Like, uh, I now I bring my Switch with me at least where I go, so I can play Pokemon on the go. But mm -hmm. at the same time, after this recording, if we re we're done recording, I'm gonna start Star Wars because I just really want to play that. But mm -hmm. at the same time, I'm like, yeah, but I also started Link's I'm Awakening. Sure people also so want to hear about what you think about it. So. Yeah, yeah. So it's so like the whole year's been really quiet, and then these last few weeks, it's like everything gets loaded into the rear. Yeah. <laughs> and and Isn't you know me, fun? yeah. I've been like, the whole year. I've been screaming, "Oh, it's a gap here, it's a gap here!" And all of a sudden, it's uh, it's, it's the holiday season. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. and then uh, I still need to finish <laughs> Gears Four. I still need to finish Gears Five. Um, I still want to play Three Kingdoms and. Uh, I think I need. I have a holiday coming up soon. Well, mm. Like I have a week off, so I think I'm just gonna lock myself up, and then I'm just gonna play as much as I can and try to finish it as much as I can, and then do <laughs> kind of like a a bonus extravaganza game rivals. What did Sean Templer finish episode in which I talk <laughs> thirty minutes about what I played? Yeah, yeah. Oh man. Oh well. oh well. Yeah, that's what I have been playing. So yeah. Cool. Well, um, that was, we, yeah, I guess between us, we played a lot of games. Yeah. And we actually played a game, to the, the the same game together. So, yeah. well, not together, but yeah. Um, cool. So stick around, guys, and we'll be right back with our Hidden Gems. Oh, yeah. And we're back with our hidden gems. <laughs> oh my god! So, Sean Templar, what is your hidden gem? Um, my hidden gem is uh, a game called Assassin's Creed Four Black Flag. Oh yeah, yeah. So, uh, some people might know that I'm a fan of the Assassin's Creed franchise. I've almost played them all, except the one. That, I don't know which one it's called. It's the one that plays in uh, in Constantinople. So that's the third game in the Ezio uh, trilogy. Oh, um, so not you, Brotherhood. You had Assassin's Creed 2, you had Brotherhood. Revelations. Revelations, yeah. So that's the only yeah. one I haven't played, uh, or at least finished. But besides that, I've, I've played them all. And if I, 
I was talking about this with a with a colleague today, and and he he said like, yeah, yeah, you know, I've played them all, but I think the one I like the most is Black Flag, and I and then I thought about it like, yeah, I think I like that one the most as well because, um, the it's the first game I played on the PlayStation Four, mm-hmm. and it was also the first game that I went I went to Gamescom the year that the PlayStation Four came out. And it was the first game I got to play there on the PS4, and I was so amazed by how pretty it looked and by the by how expansive the game was. Because I remember that at the time they were really focusing on that it's seamless, so that uh, for people that don't know, in Assassin's Creed 4, you're a pirate, and you have um, you get into a fight with an assassin. And you kill the assassin uh, who you're stranded on with an island, and then you take his identity uh, and you try to pass as an assassin. Little do you know that this assassin is actually defecting to the Templar Order so that you're actually helping the bad guys initially, and you kind of try to bluff your way through. Um, and before you know it, you're deep in this conspiracy with the Templars trying to overthrow and control the Caribbean because the game is set in the Caribbean. Um, and at the time, they were really emphasizing how seamless the game was. So, for example, early on in the game, you get your own ship and you can upgrade your ship along the way. And uh, you can, for example, just randomly stop, jump out of your ship and then go across land or board other ships or go in a diving expedition and all of this was seamless and for that time it was something pretty new and exciting because before that games were always played with load times you had a loading screen every time um what's also cool is is that the games was really colorful the 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 locations were really exotic and really really beautiful um you had this huge map you could sail across the whole map there were a few big cities such as uh, Nassau who you could go to were a lot of these uh, small islands that were uh, sometimes kind of like in the Pirates of the Caribbean movies these treasure islands that you could dig up a treasure or you would randomly find a treasure map which would literally say x marks the spot and it would kind of give you like this vague uh, picture of where it could be um and you know the the fun part is is if you played Assassin's Creed 3 mm-hmm. um you were uh, Hathen Kenway, I believe the character's name was called. Mm-hmm. And in 4, you play as his father, Edward Kenway. So yeah. you're the, the grandfather of Connor, which Connor, is the, yeah. the, the, Indian, the Native American protagonist you play with in the later of the Assassin's Creed game. Um, and the funny thing is, is um, for example, Edward is like a real pirate. And he's yeah. like, oh, I don't care. I just want to be the greatest pirate of them all. Whereas Hatham is a real gentleman and he's really sophisticated and educated. So it's funny to see that contrast that like the one is an outlaw and the one is the other one is a real gentleman, you know? Um, You you also get a lot of backstory and you kind of see why and how the character in three or the characters in three turn out the way they are. Um, At the time, it was also pioneering on the... um, uh, the, the ship combat mechanics they did kind of like that in Assassin's the naval Creed 3. combat yeah. the naval combat yeah they did a little bit of it in yeah. 3 and it really expanded on it in 4 well that was the honestly the best part of 3 was the naval combat yeah. and people really gravitated to that and Ubisoft probably saw that and was like 
oh people like that yeah maybe we should expand upon it so the, the funny black thing is, is after black flag they went even further and they now have a game in development if it's ever going to come out which is called skull and bones, bones which is basically assassin's creed 4 ship combat but then souped up or to the to the max and it looks fun if it's ever going to come out <laughs> uh who knows but they kind they did keep the naval combat in it because uh in origins and in odyssey naval combat is there as well um just yeah like it all makes sense black flag you could they, you could attack fortresses and then take them over. You could a lot of around it was based on plundering. You really wanted that pirate's life. It, it sometimes really felt like you were in this Pirates of the Caribbean movie because you also <laughs> in the in the parts of the Caribbean movies you heard about certain characters such as uh, Blackbeard. I was he was I believe he was called and turns out that Blackbeard is becomes one of your allies and you kind of get like all these these. Um, these historical figures that you hear about, you kind of meet them and they turn out to be your friends. And it was also one of the first Assassin's Creed games in which the animus wasn't that of a big part of the game. Um, and I personally don't like the whole animus part. If it was if, if it was up to me, I would say just kill the whole part around the animus, just make it a historical game and skip the whole part around the animus with ancestors and DNA because it yeah. just doesn't work for me, you know? It was one of those first games that really didn't force you into the animus constantly, uh, and it was more like a. An, you mean force you out of it? Uh, force you out of it, yeah. Because it was more like <laughs> an, a small addition to the game. Um, whereas with previous Assassin's Creed, you would just get into it, and just when you're into it, it would take you out, and then it would force you into this stupid animus section. And luckily, in the Assassin's Creed games after that, they slowly started to do that even more and more that you're using less parts of the animus which is really nice mm -hmm. yeah the game also got a uh, an expansion called Assassin's Creed Freedom Cry which was oh. uh, you have a first mate on the uh, when you're on your ship and he was a slave so you kind of play with him and he's kind of like also an assassin you get more background story around him and there was also a game called Assassin's Creed Liberation which was a PS Vita game, and it had some tie-in with uh, Black Flag, so you could also sync progress across both games, which would unlock things in both games. Um, ah, you could also get the, okay. the um, some skins and, and weapons, things like that, so some cross-play kind of thing going on there. The games... Okay, now, now it makes sense, because yeah. this year they announced um, that they were make, remaking those games into a bundle yeah for the switch so it I makes believe, sense right? that huh for the switch right not just for the not just for the switch no i thought it was no, just coming to the switch so. oh. is it i don't know i don't know i don't remember i know that it was announced for the switch but i think it's multi-platform okay because it would be weird if it was just switch yeah the funny thing is is after assassin's creed black flag they came out with um unity which was the one set in the french revolution which was a complete mess from a technical point of view. The game really ran poorly, and they really spent a lot of time after launch patching the game to get it to a stable form. And then even then the it was... The only saving grace for that is that it had the most detailed version of Notre Dame. Yeah. So after, you know, yeah. that one burned down. Well, not completely burned down. But when the fire happened, they're like, oh, how are we going to rebuild it? Well, here, 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 here. we have like... <laughs> 
as possible. Yeah, it's the only. It's like the only like redeeming factor of like, please take it. No, yeah, no, okay. not, I remember. I'm kidding, of course. I'm yeah. kidding, of course. But you know, a lot of a lot of effort is put into the Assassin's Creed games into getting it as accurate as possible. Yeah, so which accurate, yeah. Astounds me to like know that that is a thing that they do, and I applaud them for doing it. Like yeah. every game, they get stuff just like so right it's crazy yeah. yeah it's it's cool to see the attention to detail it's like uh, a history buffs like yeah dream and they true. and they even took it a step further when they came out with origins there is a, a separate mode in origins uh, i don't remember what the name is called but it's kind of like an explorer mode where combat mm, is turned yeah, yeah, off yeah. and you mm. can just browse through the whole game and kind of like get this museum tour and just discover egypt Without yeah. any combat involved, so you can just learn stuff if you want to, because there's so much historical information and accuracy in there that if you want to go out and discover a, or explore a pyramid, you can just do that, which is a really cool feature to add to a game. I, I don't know if a lot of people use it. The fact that they add something like this to the game is just amazing. They're proud of the, the, the research that they did, and yeah. they should be. Yeah. <laughs> like, seriously. Yeah. If any, like, if there's any takeaway from the Assassin's Creed franchise in general, is that the research and the work that got into getting it as accurate as possible and still make it a viable game world is, like, the most commendable thing you can give them, regardless of, yeah. like, technical snafus that happen yeah. you know like technical glitches and stuff like that yeah yeah the sad part was that after black flag the Assassin's Creed franchise kind of went downhill with unity and then uh syndicate syndicate i was really hoping for syndicate to be this this all uh, amazing game and it it didn't really feel like it um and then they they because until that point they came out with the Assassin's Creed game every year and then after that they took a two-year break and then came out with origins and the cool part around Origins is, and I've said it before, is that it felt like an Assassin's Creed meets The Witcher was more RPG. The combat was different. They took away the counter system because sometimes that system did make the game too easy for combat. Um, they added a lot more RPG mechanics. It basically felt like The Witcher in a different skin, which I don't mind, to be honest. Sometimes <laughs> it's good that they that they steal it good then copy it bad it's kind of like a bad translation of a dutch saying um <laughs> but you know it's it, I, I like it that they did it that way and and then they continued that with odyssey and i love the odyssey um and hopefully we'll get a new assassin's creed game next year and there are rumors that it might be either a viking assassin's creed or maybe a asian themed assassin's creed either in china or hopefully in japan because I firmly believe the samurai era would be a perfect fit for Assassin's Creed with Oof. ninjas and stuff like that and samurai and, and, and uh, I don't know, seppuku or uh, uh, ronins and uh, warlords. You know, that would be the most ideal setting. But there are also whispers around the Roman setting that would also be amazing. So I hopefully you'll be surprised. Mm, no. No. Okay. Yeah. I mean, like, kind of give us like a gladiator kind of like Assassin's Creed. Oh my God. That will be so amazing. <laughs> but yeah, that's my hidden gem. All right. Awesome. Yeah. Um, I actually owned Black Flag on Wii U, believe it or not. Like, that game came out on Wii U? Yeah, it did. I mean, it oh, was wow. the last 
Assassin's Creed that came out on a Nintendo system until, you know, the remakes of 3. So I saw that they brought out uh, Assassin's Creed Rogue, which is the when Black Flag came out on the on the PS4, they also did Rogue, which came out only on the on the previous yeah. gen consoles. All right, uh, and yeah, in yeah. Uh, in Rogue, you are an assassin that turns on the assassin order, joins the Templars, and then hunts down all the assassins. Um, and I never got to play that game because it was on PS3, and I just stopped playing PS3 games. But I saw that it got remastered for PS4, so I still have that on my list to pick it up and play it because i i am kind of curious how that plays off mm. of plays out mm, right. interesting interesting well my hidden gem is um more a cover of a series of games and when i say series it's just two games but basically um it's uh also related to what i've been playing it's a spin-off of pokemon called pokemon pinball now, the original Pokemon Pinball released on the Game Boy Color. It was a Game Boy Color exclusive. And the cool thing about this is that the cartridge that they used for Pokemon Pinball had a rumble feature in it. So whenever you um, hit the flippers or whenever uh, you triggered like a, lock, um, a ball lock or what have you, or it hit a bumper, the whole system vibrated, which is really cool because i think it's and like apart from um pokemon no not pokemon apart from i think kirby's tilt and tumble um it was one of the first game boy cartridges to have a rumble feature in it oh which is really cool i I kind of think i remember how that looked it looked kind of weird at the time yeah it's honestly one of the best video pinball games that i've played um overall i mean the best uh the best video pinball games are now made by zen um they have like amazing tables by the way like if if you if you own any kind of gaming system out there pick up a zen pinball game doesn't matter which one they're all pretty good but pokemon pinball was unique not just because it's a pokemon spin-off but that it played as well as it did. Now, the poke the the Game Boy Color screen was not that big. It's a 144p screen, so it's like tiny. But the way that the Pokemon Pinball games worked is that um, whenever the ball went higher, it f- switches cameras to the upper part of the system. Yeah, and. Um, you can continue playing there, so they have like extra flippers uh, there that you can use. Um, sometimes, depending on which board, because the board is based on Pokemon Red and Pokemon Blue, so you can choose either Red or Blue. Team Red, <laughs> whatever you play. Um, and the cool thing is, it's a pinball game, but it's also a Pokemon game, which means you get the opportunity to catch Pokemon in a pinball machine. Which is a really cool aspect because you have to trigger that event Mm -hmm. by going through, you know, some obstacles, hitting uh, a bunch of targets multiple times, and then it triggers the catch mechanic. Yeah. You can catch the Pokemon um, um, in the the game itself. You can upgrade 
um, the pinball, which is an actual Pokeball. <laughs> I was about to other ask that, yeah. So it starts off as a regular Pokeball, then you upgrade it, and it uh, upgrades to a Great Ball, which is the next level, and then you can upgrade it a third time to an Ultra Ball. Ooh. So the higher, the, the better the Pokeball, the better the multiplier when you catch the Pokemon. Yeah. So it's not like, oh, you have a better Pokeball, so it's easier to catch the Pokemon. Pokemon is... The level of difficulty to catch the Pokemon is the same. The Pokemon appears in the middle of the board, and you have to hit it with the Pokeball three times. Mm. And if you've played pinball, you know how challenging it can be to hit targets on a pinball table. I so, uh, only played uh, pinball on... Uh... I don't know what it's what it's called, Microsoft Pinball or something like that. You like had it on Windows XP or something. Oh no, uh, that wasn't Microsoft Pinball. That was um or, I don't know what it's called, but I hated it. I, I sucked at it. I literally just saw it on a like a top five list. Really? Like a, a couple of weeks ago and I forgot ah dang it. I think it was called Space Pinball 3D. Something like that, yeah. I was yeah, so bad at yeah. I like the sounds when you... Oh, that like one you, was so much yeah. fun. It wasn't a great pinball table, like a video pinball table, but yeah. it was so much fun. Yeah, I know like, when you got it in some way, it would make this launching sound, and it really sounded cool, but I was yeah. terrible at it. But it's fun to hear that this Pokemon pinball game isn't as simple as it sounds. Like no, I would it, expect it, it to be a pinball game with a, with a Pokemon skin on it, but it based on what i'm hearing like hey this, this might actually sound fun yeah and the cool thing is is that once you capture pokemon depending on what pokemon you capture you can even uh during during said match by the way yeah. you have to be you have to have the pokemon during that play session otherwise you can't do this next feature and that is evolve the pokemon no so the pokemon what? that you can evolve you can actually trigger evolutions for them during that play session. Whoa, that's cool. Which is really cool. And it has a complete Pokedex. So the all the 150... Well, not all, I don't think all 150 Pokemon are in there. But it does have a Pokedex. So other than like getting a top score, the other goal is to fill your Pokedex with Pokemon. Wow. Yeah, so Pokemon thought? Red has like exclusive Pokemon to it. Yeah. Pokemon Blue has exclusive Pokemon to it. And you can the, the other cool thing is that just like regular Pokemon, yeah. you travel. Which means you start off in Pallet Town, you can move to another oh, you can move to another area to like for example Pewter City or Viridian Forest, and that's always triggered randomly. Yeah. But you do have to trigger the travel sequence, huh. and then a timer goes off, and if you don't get the ball, the the Pokeball to the center of the table where the gate lies. Yeah. You don't get to travel to the next area. Oh. And every area has Pokemon exclusive to it, so that you have to tr you have to trigger like the travel sequence as well. It's really deep. Why is this a hidden gem? I mean, like, I kind of get it because it has... Because because just like everything Pokemon does as on the side, yeah, it's on the side. You know, it's yeah. not made by Game Freak. It's made by Jupiter and Hall Laboratory, the first one. The second game was made by Jupiter. Okay. And if anybody knows the developer Jupiter, they're mostly known for the Picross series of games. So unless you're a big fan of Picross, you literally don't know who the developer is. Mm -hmm. And they only made another game in the series. That's why I'm saying it's a two-series game, which is on Game Boy Advance, which is, of course, Pokemon Pinball, Ruby, and Sapphire. 
Okay. Same mechanics, except now the camera doesn't like jarringly switch between the upper and lower half of the screen. Yeah. It just has a camera that follows the pin, the pinball. Okay. Throughout the entire board, which is really cool. Nice. Yeah. And honestly, Ruby and Sapphire, I did not like the Ruby board because it's way more challenging. Yeah. Like it's a fine board. It's just way more challenging to catch Pokemon at. Mm. Like the Sapphire board was way easier. The same thing actually goes for the original Pokemon Pinball game. The Pokemon Red board was easier to catch Pokemon on than No, sorry, I'm saying that wrong. The red one was more difficult to catch Pokemon on than on blue because on on the red board they had this stupid ditto covering up like the the gate that gets you to, that that triggers like the specific events mm -hmm. so like triggering catching pokemon or evolving a pokemon or triggering the move to another area it was so annoying like it's stupid like <laughs> smile is there and it's like hello oh you missed it time's up i'm blocking it now <laughs> oh, that sounds really annoying yeah, I mean it doesn't talk, but you can like you can imagine it in your head when you're just seeing that stupid little face. When it sounds like what you just made us hear, it sounds awful and terrible, and I never <laughs> want to experience that. <laughs> well, it's a good thing that Pokemon, at least in the series, only say their name, so that's that's good. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, um, if you can, I mean, the the only downside is I don't think that pokemon pinball i think like the original pokemon pinball might be on the virtual console on 3ds but since the 3ds never supported game boy advance it's not on there it is get this uh, actually i don't actually no don't take my word for this um because i'm not 100 percent sure so let me do a quick spot check before i say something that is not true but it is, it's on the virtual console on Wii U. So if you, for whatever reason, still have a Wii U hooked up to the internet, you can get Pokemon Pinball Ruby and Sapphire on there. Happy days. Happy days indeed. But I, I think that one did not support Rumble. No, wait, it did. It did. Because if you hooked up um, the Pokemon Pinball Ruby and Sapphire on the Game Boy Player on your GameCube, Rumble is supported. Hmm. Yeah. On this, while we're on the subject of Pokemon, I just want to... I have a question I need to ask you. Sure. Um, in Pokemon Shield or Sword or whatever, there is a Charizard there. Mm -hmm. Is that a Pokemon we can... Can we catch a Charmander and evolve it, or is it just a Pokemon we can see? Because I'm hearing conflicting stories. I don't... I don't know. I honestly, like, uh, there were leaks from Pokemon Sword and Shield, and I was really pissed off, and I avoided it as much as possible. Um, unfortunately, one Pokemon did get spoiled for me. Um, but other than that, I haven't been paying attention to the rumors. Okay. But... I feel that if the because you're talking about the champions Charizard, yeah, yeah, I feel that if the if the if the Pokemon is no, yeah, well, you should be able to to do that because the um, you can actually get a Gigantamax 
uh, Charizard. So I think you can get a Charmander. Okay. Where exactly? I don't know. It could just be like a raid battle thing. Yeah. But like I, I mean, you're two. You're like an hour in. I'm only five hours in. That's a big so. Difference. I mean, still, but <laughs> I'm still early on in the game. I only beat two gyms. I'm only working my way now to the third gym. There's like five more to beat. So. I haven't beaten a gym at all. But hey, who's counting, right? Uh, well, don't worry about it. Like, as soon as you start the gym challenge, like, it goes pretty quickly. Like, I beat the first gym, and, like, within t- a half hour or so, I beat the second gym. So Okay. Yeah. Um, so I think like if you if you stick to like the story route, it goes quickly. But I like to meander in the wild area, so it might not go as quickly. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, uh, I don't. I think you can catch Charmanders. I mean, it would be weird if you couldn't, since you can have a Charizard in the game. So, okay. like, you literally can have a Charizard in the game. So that's I, good. I that, think that's that, possible. That's what I wanted to know. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. No problem. All right, so that was my hidden gem. That means we have come to the end of another gaming-filled episode, and this one was a lot of filled. So, um, but we had fun. We uh, we had some fun, some fun stuff to talk about, some less fun stuff to talk about. But in general, we had fun talking about it. So, yeah. Um, thank you guys for listening to another episode. You can always catch us on any podcasting service apple podcast uh the google play store uh spotify stitcher overcast or wherever you get your podcast you can catch us there you can also catch us on our home on anchor um if you want to contact us we have a twitter which is at game underscore rivals underscore you can catch me on twitter at maximilian you can send us feedback through our email, which is gamerivalsfeedback at gmail.com. Um, you can also leave us a voice message, which we have a link in the description. You don't need an Anchor account to do it. You just click on the link, send us a voice message, and hey, maybe we'll feature you on one of our future episodes. We'd love to feature some of you guys. We know you guys are listening there and love the love the show, and we are absolutely grateful for that you can also catch us on youtube um i'll put the link into the into the description so you can just click on that please like and subscribe uh, to our uh, youtube channel um we'll be posting more and more content as uh, we go along um we also have uh, as i said at the, at the top of this episode a survey so please fill that in we've been getting more uh, reactions and we are very grateful for that the more feedback we get from you guys the more we know what you guys want so that we can get this podcast to be the best podcast it can be um, for you guys um, and for us to also make Uh, we enjoy making this podcast for you guys so yeah um i think i've covered everything uh sean templar do you have any uh, anything else to add i think you covered it all i just realized that we're coming up to our one year anniversary almost and mm-hmm. time has it's passed. getting there yeah i mean it it time has passed so fast i'm like yeah <laughs> oh wow it's almost one year mm-hmm. and i just i'm just amazed i mean we've done at least it feels like we've done a lot of episodes yeah, uh, I mean, this is 
officially number 24, but we've also had a bunch of bonus episodes. Yeah, yeah. And I'm just, um, I can't wait to start on year two. Um, mm-hmm. Me neither. Yeah. It's, it's just... going to be a, like, year two. I mean, we're going into 2020. We have, like, the game, the, the, the new system launch is coming in holiday 2020. 2020 is going to be big regardless. Yeah. It's so, going to be I an mean, amazing year for gaming, and hopefully PlayStation also an 4 and Xbox us. One are going out with a bang. Yeah. Um, Last of Us, the, woo! The, 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 Switch is, the Switch is going to hit... Uh, I mean, the Switch already hit its stride, but it's going into its third year... No, sorry. It's fourth year of hitting its stride, so... Maybe we'll get a Switch Pro, finally? Yeah, who knows? I mean, I doubt it, but who knows? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but we're gonna get a lot of things that we get to cover, and um, hopefully we'll be able also be able to attend a lot of events that we can cover for you guys as well. So uh, yeah. Um, oh, one more thing that I wanted to leave you guys with before we sign off, um, for especially for uh, our fans living in Europe and especially in the Netherlands, um, on November twenty third, which is uh, the coming weekend that's coming up is Dutch Comic Con in Utrecht. Um, if you don't have a ticket yet, um, I hope you did because those things stole out really quickly. But if you're listening to this and you're attending Dutch Comic Con, I, Maximilian X, will be there um, just walking around, um, handing out um, cards to promote the show <laughs> and um yeah hopefully uh if you see me um you can't miss me i'll be wearing a cappy hat um from super mario odyssey so if you see me with the cappy hat come by say hi um and yeah let's talk about video games and other nerdy stuff so that's it from us this week. This has been Maximilian X and Sean Templer. And we'll see you guys next time.